Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Yo MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco. I'm Big Head Joe, back in our normal order of introductions. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so we have a lot to talk about this week, um, quite a few topics. Joe, did you want to start things off with the uh, with the first thing on our list? Yeah, uh, so unfortunately, y'all, for those of you who didn't hear, uh, February 15th, uh, we lost Jeff Zandy. Uh, Jeff Zandy, Zanman, the leader of the Texas Guild Mages, uh, the man who had been running the longest weekly game of Magic the Gathering in uh, in history since 1996. They've been meeting every Tuesday night, uh, practicing limited. And um, I was really excited. I know I mentioned on the show a bunch of times, Zandy's been on the show a bunch of times, uh, but I was really excited about, uh, you know, getting back over there and practicing with him and i'll tell you like uh there's nobody in this world who would want to play sealed with me as much as he did you know like every time like you know me and sealed joey you know i love Sealed, and i know a lot of people don't but anytime i'd be like hey man you want to practice some sealed zaman be like yeah let's do it you know i mean i said what we did the last night we hung out i got over there early and we got together and we we played sealed we built sealed pools i have his sealed pool registered you know he filled out his deck list and everything because that's what we did we that's how we practiced you know we put the seal pools together build a deck take it apart reorganize the pool and then rebuild it and just compare lists and play games and you know it was just good intense practice and you know he was the one guy who could keep me sharp and limited and you know, i've been saying on this podcast how terrible i've been at limited since i started back up on arena <clears throat> i was like okay well you know, Zandy's going to get me sharp, you know? Um, and, you know, he dropped me off from his house a couple weeks ago. And, you know, I said, I was like, hey, man, you know, let's, you know, you, you're going out of town. You're doing any of these long road trips to go to PPTQs or whatever they're called now. Uh, you know, like, let me know. Let's, let's do it. Let's, 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 let's do these trips, you know? But, right. uh, you know, unfortunately, went and took a trip that, he can only take himself, you know. So, uh, I'm, I'm frankly devastated. I've barely even played Magic or looked at Magic in the last two weeks. Um, but I've been following along for the most part. Uh, it's just I don't even know. I don't know. Like, yeah, it's a I, huge loss to to Magic. I mean, I didn't know Jeff. Um, you knew him very well, and you got to you know, hang out with him and, and learn from him and just have a lot of great experiences with him. And that's, that's awesome. And it sucks that, uh, you know, Texas magic and magic as a whole has lost someone of, of this magnitude. And I just, I don't think people realize how, um, just a big a part Jeff played in just the history of, of the game. Um, and like you said, from, from all the way back in 96, like the first pro tour, um, you know, it, it, his his roots go deep and uh, his branches spread wide, I guess. I don't know. He, you know, there's a lot of people that were affected by him. Um, you wrote a really beautiful tribute to Jeff on Legit MTG. We'll link that in the show notes. And uh, yeah, um, so really uh, a big loss for the community. If, uh, you know, anyone who can, uh, please uh, make a donation in Jeff's honor to the Hunter Burton Memorial Open. Uh, it's HunterBurtonMemorialOpen.com. 
Uh, it's a, an event that Jeff started. Uh, the first one was in 2014, and it's um, an event to uh, to spread awareness about suicide uh, because Hunter Hunter Burton uh, committed suicide um, in 2013, uh, I think. 2013, I think, yeah, yeah in, in July of 2013. And um, and Jeff started this thing in his teammates honor, his friends honor, you know, and uh, there's going to be some things going on in Jeff's honor. There's going to be something going on with one of the Channel Fireball events. I can't remember which. And also, um, I think the Sunday of the Hunter Burton Memorial Open, there's going to be a um, a memorial, a chaos sealed event yeah. or chaos draft or something like that. Limited, of course, you know, right. um, and uh I just, I just can't even believe he's gone, man. It's, it's, it's horrible. Um, anyway, so like I said, make a donation there in Jeff's honor, HunterBurtonMemorialOpen.com, uh, because that was, you know, something Jeff loved, and Jeff loved us as players, and Jeff loved Hunter, and you know, Jeff, all he wanted to do was honor Hunter, and um, you know, and it's I think a pretty that, big event. I think a lot of people. Uh, if they haven't heard of Jeff, they've very likely still heard of the Hunter Burton Memorial. So I think um, I think it's kind of gotten a lot of uh, I don't want to say buzz, but I guess that's the right word. A lot of people have heard of it, and they might not know that Jeff had such a huge part in right. in creating it. Um, so uh, and and also Jeff was a, a guest on a couple of episodes of of Taps when I wasn't on the show when it was you and Steven. Um, yeah, he was on he was on the last episode. Yeah, he was. Ended. The, the we ended, quote unquote, um, the final episode. Yeah, um, right. Um, but yeah, so uh, go, you can go back and check out those episodes uh, if you if you want to listen to some of Jeff's wisdom. Yeah, just skip over all my GoFundMe begging. But anyway, um, <laughs> that's right. You retired. Yeah, shut up. Uh, so <laughs> I guess uh, I guess let's, let's let's move on as as hard as it is. Right. Um. Let's let's keep on spreading our love of magic because Jeff loved magic and, and Jeff would want the love of magic to be spread by anyone left behind, you know? Yep. So anyway, um, we had um, a, the first mythic championship uh, this weekend in Cleveland. And um, first of all, it was uh, Brian David Marshall's last event on coverage, which is a big deal because Brian's been a part of Magic coverage forever, right? Yeah. I mean, and he's moving on to some other opportunity. He got an, another job or something. Um, he's going to leave coverage, and this was his last event. He uh, he kind of let everybody know about a week ago, and I think I think the uh, the response from the community has been pretty overwhelming in terms of uh, just how much. He will be missed. And um, the whole coverage team did a great job this weekend. Um, and BDM, it was a, quite a send-off, I think. Uh, I'm hoping at some point he comes back, at least occasionally. Uh, and, and I guess I wouldn't say that that would be unlikely, but I have no inside information as far as what he's actually moving on to do that he decided he couldn't do magic coverage anymore. But um, Next week, he's going to show up on WCW TV. He's going to be on Monday Nitro. Sh- I'm not supposed to say anything. I, said, I just the- said we don't have insider knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Dropping the Pro Tour title into the trash can <laughs> on live TV. Uh, it's, it's all been a work. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, good luck. In whatever yeah. you do next, BDM, because uh, we love you. 
Yeah, dude, and it's and it's going to be really awesome and really hard to to replace you. you yeah, know? we're, we're going to miss you for sure. Um, so uh, first of all, or or like second or third of all, ninth of all, <laughs> let me say uh, how awesome it is uh, that Autumn Burchett won uh, the Pro Tour. Uh, they were playing the Mono Blue Tempo deck. Three of those decks made the top eight. Is that correct? Like, I yes, think that's correct. My count is right. Yep. It's three. Yeah. Um, this is a deck that in the first week um, of me playing Arena, I kept going up against this deck. And in our show notes, like early on, because we just created this big master file show notes, and like I've just been dropping ideas in there for episodes or whatever. And uh, I was like, mono blue. I was like, is this a real deck? Is this a thing? Like, is this actually a deck or is this some weird, like, best of one trash? Right. right. So somebody like, opened the precon, you know, it's the mono blue precon or something. Yeah. Like, I just had no idea because I just didn't know what the metagame was. But I was like, this deck, this can't be real, right? Like, you're playing a 1 1 and then putting an enchantment on it like right. we're just like auras are bad right we're right. not supposed to play auras right <laughs> uh but obviously with this deck taking three out of the top eight spots on the first mythic championship um it's i mean i mean we, we all knew i knew i found out quickly it was a real deck but this just shows this deck's rise to prominence right because i don't think it's ever been represented in such big numbers in no a top i eight, think right you're right. So I think just the last couple of weeks have been sort of the uh, acknowledgement from the majority of competitive players that, OK, this this is a good enough deck to play at events. Um, now, it goes all the way back to, to Gabe Nassif playing it in a GP back in the summer, I think, before – pretty sure it was before uh, Guilds of, Ra- of Ravnica was, was released. So, um, it, you know, it's been a known – part of the metagame for a while but i don't know that anyone took it seriously until you know maybe when gabe nasif was was playing it but maybe some people thought oh you know it's gabriel nasif he can kind of take any deck and, and do well with it so right right uh, so you know it was still kind of on the fringes but um but yeah the last few weeks it's been uh popping up everywhere i believe it won did it win in dallas i think uh, or it sh- it showed up a lot in Baltimore for the, the Star City events. Um, I thought it won in Dallas, actually. Um, but I might be. Yeah, I think because I know Jody Keith played Rakdos and ended up winning. Uh, he was I think he top eighted in Dallas or he did well in Dallas. And then he then he won the GP the following week. So oh, wow. um, with Rakdos. So I know Rakdos didn't win the previous week. I think that was the mono blue blue deck but yeah so it's been around um and now people know to take it seriously um it's really crazy this is something uh, i posted on twitter who would have predicted that we're two sets deep into a ravnica standard right and five of the top eight decks in the pro tour i'm sorry mythic championship are monocolored essentially monocolored you have the, the three mono blue decks and then you have what is essentially mono red with splashing green sideboard cards and mono white splashing blue sideboard cards uh these are monocolored decks with like a you know a sideboard this splash is, this, this is like the third visit to ravnica isn't this one called ravnica city of um basic lands <laughs> yeah that, that must be it uh, so yeah so this is the you know this is that set so so maybe obviously. yeah i shouldn't be so surprised um but look at this like Think about the decks I just mentioned. Mono Blue, you have Tempest Gin, 
Mono white, you have Benelish Marshall. Mono red, you have Goblin Chain Whirler. Look <laughs> at the effect of that those those cards on standard. Um, the green one, Steel Leaf Champion, you know, didn't make top eight, but you still see it a, a lot when anybody's playing any kind of like stompy deck. Uh, the only one that doesn't see play is like the black one, which I forgot the name of because it doesn't see play. Uh, I actually had it open in my um, in, on my phone the other day too because I was like, "What's the black one do?" It's like Dreadshade or something. Yeah, no, it's called Dreadshade. Yeah, have you ever even heard of this card? It's not Dark Prophecy. <laughs> no, that was my dribble black pet card back in the day. Yeah, well, back in the day of of the Dominaria set that came out last April. Uh, this was the this was the black uh, part of the cycle. And what it's is it even called again? Dreadshade. So it's a 3-3 three, three for black, 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 creature shade. And it has um, pay a black, dreadshade gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. So it's kind of like an Antuco shade, um, which, of course, was really strong back in, you know, 2002. <laughs> um, Nantuko shade being black black for a 2-1 that has that ability to mm. pay a black to get plus one plus one so dreadshade just not good enough um i just figured out why this card uh like hasn't been represented as much as the other ones because it's terrible well yeah <laughs> the art's really good it, yeah it's very flavorful yeah um so uh, don't call the episode that because we already did that once okay good call good call <laughs> <laughs> so um so Autumn's win is amazing because not only is it their first Pro Tour win, but it's a monumental moment uh, for representation in Magic. Absolutely. Because uh, Autumn is the first transgender non-binary winner of a Pro Tour. And that's huge. It's a really awesome thing. I was so worried when I saw that Autumn was going to win because we weren't a podcast. Um, we weren't an active podcast when this whole Magic Gate and blah, 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 blah thing happened. Um, and, I, you know, so I never really had a chance to address it. But I saw all that from a distance and kind of got the impression, unfortunately, that the Magic community had gone to a really, really dark place. And, and a segment, a small, turns out a small, loud segment of the community had, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Wizards has done a really great job of uh, – you know, first of all, they banned blah 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 for life. I'm not going to mention his name because he's absolutely not worth mentioning by name. Uh, banned him for life for being garbage, um, and uh, you know, distanced themselves immediately from any sort of like uh, solidarity with this garbage movement of garbage people. Um, but you know, from a distance, and like I said, they're the loudest people. I really started to think like that the community had gone in a bad way. Um, so, but one of the things I like to do on Twitter, especially is I like to find things that would attract these garbage humans, uh, such as a transgender person winning the pro tour, right? Um, mythic, whatever. (laughs) 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 Um, and I like to go through and find those people and block them. You know, because I don't need those people in my life. I don't need to look at if you, if you have something so vile to say about anyone, um, then you're not even worth. You're not. You're not welcome in my conversation anymore. You're, you're out of my internet. You're gone. You know, simple as that. I do it all the time, um, and so I was very pleased 
that I did not find very much. Um, or, or actually, I honestly didn't see any negative negativity. It was universal acclaim for Autumn. And I, I was so happy for them um, because that's just great. Like that's I'm 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 happy to see that whatever garbage was there, I either successfully blocked already, or just has it just knows that they're not welcome in our community and they are not being vocal anymore. They've gone back underground where they belong. Whatever. Um, but I did, and I've been saying this to Joey. Since the start of this podcast, and we started this podcast back up, that I kind of wanted to address something, and I wanted him to get his hand on the uh, on the edit button here because we are a clean show, uh, and it really starts with a quote from Kurt Cobain um, because uh, the twentieth was Kurt Cobain's well, would have been Kurt Cobain's fifty second birthday, and on his birthday, this quote came back up on Twitter, and I just wanted to 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 quote it in full the language is a little dated as a quote from the 90s um but i wanted to echo the sentiment of this quote which is very clear and i just wanted to make sure look i just want to make sure that we are clearly on the side of the on the right side of this whole thing this is the quote from kurt okay if any of you in any way hate homosexuals people of a different color or women please do this one favor for us leave us the alone don't come to our shows and don't buy our records. And I'll expand that quote to say, don't listen to our podcast. Don't interact with us on Twitter. You're not welcome in the conversation anymore. And it's your fault for being terrible people. Um, you know, this whole, I mean, the, the thing lately, the, 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 that was a very brief blip. This person trying to like latch on to hatred online um, I think they quickly got embarrassed out of our community and they got banned for life. So good. Um, but like, there's this whole comic gate thing that's going on right now. I don't know if you're very familiar with that. I know you're not super involved, but I'm sure you've at least seen some of the stuff I've retweeted yeah. about that over time. Um, but comics gate is just a thing that's just trying to, um, it's just a harassment campaign. It's a hatred campaign, um, hating on people of color hating on the LGBT community, just hating on everyone uh, that isn't white, straight, male, essentially. Um, and uh, if you're someone who follows that campaign, turn this f- podcast off. Like right now, I don't even want you to ever listen to us again. We don't need your downloads. We don't need your money. We don't need your support. We don't need your likes. We don't need you. Go away. That's all I have to say. That's you well know, said. That's, that's basically all I have to say about it. I want to move on. Um but I'm, I'm very happy for Autumn. We are all Knights of Autumn now, and we are in your humble service. So, um, yeah, congratulations to Autumn. That I mean, the the play was masterful. Um, I, I was able to watch a lot more coverage this weekend than than I had in the past, um, and it was just incredible to to watch Autumn pilot this deck. Um, and I think it's probably the hardest deck to pilot in standard. Um, and it's, it's just a, a, a clinic <laughs> on how to pilot mono blue. Um, so yeah, congratulations. And, and we're just, I think, like you said, it's a big moment for, for magic. It really um, is. Um, now some stuff about the event itself. I, I did not get to watch hardly any coverage at all. Um, but you watched a lot of the coverage, which is awesome. And I know you were talking about uh, one card in particular 
that you were kind of excited to see? Yeah. So, so one of the, the top eight decks was Esper and, um, you know, Esper's kind of been one of the top few decks in the, over the course of the Ravnica Allegiance metagame. And, uh, but one card that popped up in Esper sideboards is, uh, Kaya Orzhov Usurper, which most people that kind of had dismissed the, the three mana planeswalkers or really, um, all of the planeswalkers from Ravnica Allegiance have kind of seen very little to no play, but that was, uh, a card that you just we just didn't expect to see shows up in the sideboards. It does great against these decks with so many one drops like mono blue. Um, it just so happened that I played against it on arena last week and I was so excited when this happened. I'm texting Joe. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just lost to Kaya. <laughs> and it was it was like the coolest thing to have happened uh, playing standard. I totally dismissed it. It was an Esper mirror. Uh, they've got Teferi, and I'm prioritizing dealing with Teferi. So I'm like, you know, I've got my um, Vraska's Contempt hitting Teferi. I've got my Teferi tucking their Teferi, things like that. Um, completely ignoring Kaya, kind of seeing like, okay, r- great, they can minus five and and drain me for however many cards they exiled. It's going to take forever for them to exile 20 cards. Yeah, they exiled 11 cards and then minus five twice and just <laughs> killed me. On, <laughs> and I... Totally didn't see it coming. You know, they did it the one turn, and I'm like, all right, fine. I'm at, like, 11, because I'd gained a little bit of life off of Raska's Contempt or Absorb or whatever. And uh, and so I'm like, great, I'm at 11, whatever, and I take my turn, and I pass back, and they activate it, and I'm like, oh, wait, they had enough loyalty to do that twice. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I know it's not... Um, it's not exile those cards, it deals that damage, it's they stick around and you can do it again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like you you lose life equal to or they drain you for the number of cards you have in exile. So that counts when they Vraska's contempt your Teferi. Yep. Well, that's another damage too. So they didn't It's it's not just from Kaya. Exactly. It's just whatever cards you have in exile. Syncopate. So Right. Um yeah. devious cover up, all kinds of ways that you can exile things. Uh and and I just think um you know that that ability is stronger than I realized, and it's especially strong when you pay no attention to it. <laughs> so yeah. I don't want to be like all you know excited about Kaya in the sense that like wow this card is is awesome I'm going to play four of it and you know anything like that. Uh, but because I think as long as you're aware of it, now that that's happened to me, I'm not letting that happen again if I can help it. Um, but it was really amusing to see um, to have that happen and. And uh, it was cool to see it actually showing up in the Pro Tour as well. I, I kind of expected, um, you know, I saw it on Arena. I thought it was just somebody who was trying this card. And I was like, that was, that was cool. Um, didn't expect to see it at the Pro Tour, but it, it showed up in multiple Esper sideboards. Um, can I say also, while we're talking about Esper, Esper makes me hate magic. <laughs> yeah, you have that in the show notes. And I'm like, but Joey, like Esper is in your lifeblood. <laughs> yeah, so you'd think that. Esper, it is, I've been playing Esper Control on Arena, and it is the most frustrating deck to play with um, because of the the mana base. Because I feel like I've either got all the lands to cast my Kaya's Wrath, but no Kaya's Wrath, or I'm holding like two copies of Kaya's Wrath, a Cry of the Carnarium, and only have a single black. And I'm like, this... It is the most frustrating deck I've ever played in Magic. <laughs> no, I, and I, I hear that. I, for me, like... The Phoenix deck that I was messing with before I decided to go without the Phoenixes 
was the same thing. It wasn't lands and spells. It was spells and spells. It was the I was like, I have three phoenixes and I just peeled one off of light up the stage. And yeah, <laughs> and I have no uh, tormenting voices to speak of or I've got three tormenting voices and I'm discarding tormenting voice to tormenting voice and then discarding tormenting voice to tormenting voice. And then off the second tormenting voice, I draw a phoenix. Right. Yeah. So, it, you know, that's, like, that's what it feels like. I mean, right now, especially on Arena, the metagame is so aggressive um, in best of one, especially on best of, of one in particular. And that's what yes. I've been playing most of because. I've been playing so many decks and I'll, I'll get into that. I mean, maybe I'll get into it in a minute, but I'll get into it later. I think, uh, more likely, but just on arena, you have all these aggressive decks that are going to punish you for stumbling. So, you know, I feel like, uh, playing Esper in best of one is probably not a good idea, but I want to, um, I want to play it. I like, I like the idea. I like the deck when it works, I guess. I love the deck when it works. I we love, love being able to cast. When it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess I love the deck when I'm able to cast my spells. Um, when I'm able to play my cards, it is just incredibly frustrating to uh, to be sitting there and going, well, you know, I I have the cards. I, I've got the spells, I mean, but I, I can't cast them. And I don't know. It makes me – that's – I get – I don't get tilted uh, – over anything as much as I get tilted over playing Esper Control in the current standard. So that's all. It's just kind of kind of funny. And um, yeah, I, I've been playing that mono red uh, Phoenix list list uh-huh. that I put together for the GP, and I don't think it was a very good. I, uh, it wasn't a GP I played in. It was the Star City Games Open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure it was a great choice for best of three Paper Magic. I, I had no trouble operating the deck. You know, but I really do feel like it's a best of one deck because the sideboarding options get so good against it. It's uh-huh. one of those decks you can kind of surprise people with. Get a win and get out. Because um, I I won a lot of game ones and I lost a lot of games two and three, you know. Um, so that was one of the problems. But like, you know, with that deck playing it in best of one, you know, uh, the mono red Phoenix list deck, it makes me hate magic when I lose at magic, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) Um, No, but uh, really, though, honestly, if this mono blue deck is a deck that's going to be all over best of one now because it won the Mythic Championship, Mm -hmm. the Phoenixless deck is awesome. That deck eats the mono blue deck for breakfast because that deck is like, I've got dive down. I'm going to protect my creature. And I go face, 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 face. You're dead. And they go, oh, I countered one spell, but I took three damage from your creatures from the spell I countered. And you still get to do all your other things and you still just win. Um, Yeah. Mono white is also really, really good because that's the deck I've had the most success with on arena um, is mono white. And, um, and yeah, you're just like drop a whole bunch of, you know, one drops and they're like, here's this one, one drop and here's a curious obsession. I'm like, sure. Great. (laughs) Whatever. The the list, um, the list that Steven's playing is so cool. And that's the Uh, deck that I've uh, actually specifically Steven's list. Um, I, he, he shared it on Twitter last week and I started, I tried it out and that's the, the list I've stuck with, uh, you know, for the last week. And that's what I've had the most success with. It's, it cuts history of Benalia to really max out on one drops and unbreakable formation. And, um, it's really, uh, you know, I, I'm loving it. Um, in best of one, I don't, it's not right for best of three, but in best of one, it's really, uh, performing really well for me. Do not sue us, please. <laughs> 
I am loving it though. Um, <laughs> why don't we go ahead because we are kind of on the topic of of arena. I have this kind of how how arena has kind of changed magic for me and yes. Um, I I not to give more kudos to arena. I, we complain about arena a lot too, so I guess I shouldn't really shouldn't really say it like that. Um, there's a lot of good that arena has has brought to the game, and I think a lot of people are aware of it. But it's completely changed the way I play magic now. I mean, I I pretty much only play arena. I'm playing now more than I ever have in my life. I'm trying more decks than I've ever had in my life, and that's that's a good thing and a bad thing because I used to really be able to zero in on one kind of archetype and say, okay, yeah, like I like the control decks. I'm going to build Esper and blue white. And those are, I don't need to worry about getting the, uh, the arc light Phoenixes or, you know, the goblin chain whirlers or the Benelish marshals. You know, I don't need to worry about getting these other rares or, and mythics. I can focus on just these ones that I'm going to play, but arena has made it, it was pretty genius. The fact that they give you, uh, they make you build your collection whether you want to or not, meaning, you know, you right. open these packs and you can't get rid of the cards. So it's like, well, wait a second, you know, I've opened all these packs while I've been playing these other decks. Well, now I have, you know, a, uh, I have three Hydroid Crisis that I just opened in packs and I have a Jade Light Ranger and, you know, I can easily get all the, the commons and uncommons and you start looking and going, well, I'm really not that far off from having a Sultai deck and I'm going to play Sultai. And so you start, you know, yeah, with that deck, and it's it's happening for like every deck. For what's me. the five four for three green? What's that called? Steel Leaf Champion. Steel Leaf Champion. Yeah, I opened one of those in a, a Dominaria pack the other day. I was like, ooh, I got another one of those, and like I was like, cool, I'm getting closer to building that mono green deck. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and like I would not like, uh, and I, I think a lot of times for me, for st- like for constructed magic in paper, mm-hmm. collecting the cards is a big reason why I won't play certain decks because I don't want to build every deck because it's expensive for one cards rotate for two and you don't even know if you're going to like that deck, you know? And so like when you're paying real money at a time to get singles for a deck and then you get the deck and you're like, I didn't like it that much. You're like, Oh, I cannot believe I spent that much money. Well, I can sell these cards back for half, you know, or try to Um, trade them away, things like that. And it feels like you've lost money where if you're, you know, spending real money to get mythical gems and then you trade those mythical gems for magical packs and you open those magical packs and get magical cards, you've got you're so far removed from your money (laughs) that it doesn't feel like you spent money anymore. And so it's more encouraging to be able to, oh, well, crap, I could build a, you know, Rakdos deck. All I need is a couple blood crypts. I got some rare card craft, 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 because what did those rare cards cost? We'll get into that in another episode, but uh, it's not zero dollars, but it sure does feel like it yeah. by the time it gets to a rare wild card. So, you know, so you're encouraged to build things you wouldn't normally play and you're encouraged to play decks, you you know, you wouldn't normally build. And then if you do well with a deck you wouldn't normally play, then you might change your entire deck. Uh, uh, you know, deck selection philosophy. You right. know, you might start to look at things from the control player's side. You you might go, man. You know, like I didn't like playing control, or I didn't like playing against control, but I also was never going to build it because of that mana base. 
But I wound up with that mana base just from opening packs. Right. And now I've got these cards. Well, let me try slapping a control deck together. You go, oh, wow, you know, control kind of fits my style. And you're like, OK, maybe I'll slip into this. Um, you know, I haven't gotten there yet with building control at least. But it is like literally at the forefront of my mind in terms of what I want to do on arena in the near future is to start building decks that I wouldn't normally build in paper because I have the resources to do so. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's really what it comes down to is this idea of making us keep all of the cards in our collection and not, not be allowed to, to dust them or whatever the, you know, the term is, uh, that you want to use where you can, you have these cards and that's it. You have them. I mean, so you're, you're, kind of incentivized to use them. Um, I know I took a, I took a photo of, uh, of all the decks I have built and I sent it to you. So here, here it is. So just to run down a quick list, I have bad Saltai and it's bad because I don't have the full mana base. I've opened so many packs of Ravnica Allegiance and I've yet to open a breeding pool. I don't understand how that's even possible, but um, we got like bad Saltai, mono blue tempo, Rakdos Judith, Gruel Midrange, Mono White Best of One, White Weenie, which is of course Best of Three, um, Esper Control, Mono Red Frenzy, Rakdos Theater, Bant Flash, Jeskai Control, so yeah, Azorius Control, Cinder Red. So I'm like building different versions of some of these decks. You've got I've got like multiple Mono Red decks that have like <sighs> a couple cards that are different. Like one plays Flame of Flames of Keld, another one plays Risk Factor, another one plays uh, you know Cinder Vines and Splashes Green. Things like that. So, like, I'm playing all these different versions of essentially the same deck. It it really just gives you a way to test out all these different decks because you just have most of the cards. Um, and I just think that's kind of awesome. Um, the other thing yeah. that it did for me is it actually, you know, watching coverage, I've always rooted for certain players and certain decks. And a lot of times I would root for the deck above the player. And, and I've mentioned this in past podcasts. Um, you know, it can be a player I like, but if they're playing a deck I don't really like and their opponent is playing, you know, a control deck, I'm rooting against the player I, I like <laughs> because I'd rather see the deck that I like win. Right. Um, and strangely, I guess because of this experience on Arena, I felt like every match I was watching with interest because I'm like, I've played both of these decks. Like I want to watch both yeah. of them and I'm, I'm not even really rooting for one or the other. And that was how I felt, you know, you see this top eight and it's amazing. And I'm like, pretty much like, I, I, I don't care who wins. I like all of these players. I like all of these decks. Well, kind of, I actually really dislike mono blue and I have not figured out why <laughs> um, playing against it and with it. Um, but other than that, I, I, I really felt like it's still a great, great uh, deck to watch, and I still do play it. I think I just play it wrong, so I don't like playing it myself. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say that because, despite our philosophy of make them have it, especially with Autumn's list, they look like they always had it. Yeah, four dive down, three spell pierce, two essence capture, one main deck negate. And the full set of wizards retorts. Yeah. You know, like that's a lot of having it. <laughs> you're right. It is really frustrating to play against because you're like they, – they have a creature, like an evasive creature that really doesn't do much, right? You got like a 1-1 one, one flyer and it could be uh, Terramander. It can be St uh, Siren Storm Tamer or you can have the, the Mistcloak Herald that's not a flyer but is unblockable. You've got an evasive creature. It feels very innocuous. But then you put Curious Obsession on it and you protect it. And it just becomes super frustrating because you're like, 
All right, I get to trade my removal spell for a dive down. All right, I get to trade my my sweeper for a spell pierce. You know, oh, okay, I'll put out, you know, something that's going to deal with this. Oh, there's Wizard's Retort. It just feels like they always have it, and and, and they always do like, because of Curious Obsession. <laughs> right, right, right. And I feel like the frustration is in the fact that the deck is essentially doing what we've been told we should never do, which is play creatures with auras. You know, like – and because I'm like, oh, it's just a 1-1 one, one with a stupid aura on it. I can totally kill that. I should be able to kill that. I deserve to kill that. No, you don't because they have a plan beyond just put the 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 enchantment on the creature. You know, they've got right. a backup plan. They know what your plan is. Oh, I saw that two for one. Nuh-uh, they got two for one. You know, like um, <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe that's it. I'm just trying to figure it out for myself. But while we're back on the top topics, I wanted to back up to what you were uh, saying about the uh, cinder vines, right? Mm-hmm. Um I was really excited. How do you say Alex's last name? Because you were watching coverage. You wouldn't know. Uh, who are we? T- Alex who? Malatin. Oh, oh, Alex uh, Majlaton. Sure. Alex Majlaton's Gruel Agro list. I, I saw Gruel Agro and I was like, oh, cool. So, um, you know, which Gruel creature? None. No Gruel creatures. <laughs> I was like, oh, huh? <laughs> I was like, no, this is mono red. And then I looked at the sideboard. It's like four cinder vines. Aha. And you notice this is the only mono red aggro deck that make the top eight or even really, I feel, to do very well, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and I think that the cinder vines is a huge reason why, because that card is so good. And, um, and these decks were not represented in Dallas. Not a yeah. single red deck made uh, day two. Mono red, anyways, did not make day two in Dallas, uh, or at least a mono red main deck like this. Uh, so, and this deck did also did not have uh, skewer the critics, which is uh, interesting to note. Yeah, and he brought back experimental frenzy. Yep. So, uh, um, kind of going a little itty bit bigger, you know, going going to you know to the point where you're spending four mana on one spell is kind of you know not not something you see a lot out of the red decks, or not that we have seen recently. Um, right. Yeah, that, uh, I was really rooting for Alex. He's actually a local, a Maryland player. Um, yes. Known for playing Affinity where it is legal. <laughs> so, right, uh, right. But yeah. Um, but it makes me want to try Cinder Vines, though, because I'm like, okay, maybe that's the thing that the Mono Red uh, deck is missing to be competitive again. Yeah. Because well, I really feel like this deck is not competitive again in its – or not competitive anymore in its original form right. of just Mono Red. I don't feel like it is. Yeah. So like I've been I've been frustrated by that because I like that deck and I have it in paper and there you go. You know, like yeah. it's like one of the like there's there's my one paper deck feels irrelevant. So, you know, frustrating. Um Yeah. So um <clears throat> let's let's move on and we have we still have like quite a few things I think to talk about. Um briefly let's touch on this new mulligan rule. Um that is yes, s- go ahead. Morgan's first ahead. thing I want to point out is that the only reason they did not try this at this um mythic championship championship is because they didn't want it to be the cleveland mulligan (laughs) (laughs) because you got the paris mulligan which they first tried out in paris hence the name um so they were like cleveland mulligan Eh, let's wait till we get to london (laughs) you know it was their decision to put the magic championship in cleveland so they could have avoided that in the first place well you know Um, cleveland is a fine place to have a tournament just not a fine place to name your mulligan after (laughs) that's fair (laughs) Uh, so yeah the the next 
modern uh, or next mythic championship is modern and it's in London. So it will, if it becomes uh, an actual new mulligan rule, if they actually decide to go forward with it, it will be the London mulligan. Um, But the idea is instead of drawing one less card, you draw up to seven every time you mulligan, but then you put some number of cards on the bottom of your deck uh, equal to the number of mulligans you've taken. So you still end up with the same number of cards. You you know, you still mulligan to five, quote unquote, but you get to choose those five out of seven cards. Um, and I and there's no more scrying. So uh, I think my understanding is that they've tested this internally in standard, but have not done much testing with it for older formats like modern or legacy or vintage. And those are going to be the formats that kind of make or break things. Um, I'm frankly very surprised because I did not realize that this was going to be a modern mythic championship. They were testing this at, uh and I'm actually kind of glad because if they tested this, I feel like this would be great in standard. Yeah. I mean, and I I think it will be fine. And I think that if they tested it in standard, um, it would have it would definitely be the new mulligan yeah and so i think that's what it is they tested it for standard and they felt like okay this is fine and standard let's see what the players can do with it in modern let's go ahead and make it uh you know make this our test run in a format that can break it if it's going to be broken give it to the pros let them break it let's see how broken it gets yeah, they're not going to complain about playing broken games of Magic. That's what they're there to do. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so the thing is, this of course incentivizes uh, very aggressive and combo-based decks. Yes, um, because you don't necessarily need card quantity; you just need certain, you know, combinations of cards, um, and you're going to be able to capitalize on an early advantage better than a deck like a control deck, which is kind of like wants the wants the quantity of cards and wants to be able to get card advantage and two for ones and things like that and wants the game to go long so um it'll be interesting to i'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens in london i kind of feel like that this might be a situation where it they determine it isn't good for modern and at that point i don't know if they will have a different mulligan rule for different formats i believe they said in the video or in the weekly mtg um I guess show that they have that they weren't considering using it for, you know, different mulligan rules for different formats. Um, but I, I still think that's possibly up in the air. I guess we'll see. Um, and I think that's in July. Uh, it's, it's feels like it's a few months away, so we won't have any, uh, real data on April. it until then. April, Is it April 26th. Yeah. April 26th or 28th. Yeah. Well, I must, I don't know what I saw that was July, July but... is Barcelona. That's mythic okay. championship four. I have this pulled up here. For great, the next great, great. Part. <laughs> but the, the bad thing is, and I think I've seen um, some people tweeting about this is that there's no way for no way to test for this championship outside of paper because you can't do it on arena. You can't test for modern on arena already. So it's like, okay, I'm going to play, magic online well that mulligan rule isn't programmed into magic online so you can't test it you can't test for this mulligan uh this new mulligan rule outside of paper and that really stinks because i think a lot of players you know get a lot of their testing done online and i hope that they change that but it's players you mean the same players that are worried about magic going digital because of arena are upset that they have to play paper magic too so what do you want 
<laughs> you got to pick one. We want everything. <laughs> well, yeah, you want you want both, and you've got both. But uh, guess what? You know, win win. You get to play more paper magic, which is what you want, um, because you don't want magic to move away from paper. There's a lot of people who don't want magic to move away from paper. I'm honestly not one of them. I could take or leave paper magic myself. 100% honest. Um, and I understand the uh, the downsides of that. I understand the loss of the social aspect. I understand all of those things. You know, but I'm 37 and I have I'm doing school, I work, you've got a family, we've got other interests. I like sitting on my computer and follow, firing up games of magic for an hour or two. I like not having to take a bus. 12 hours to go play in Albuquerque, um, you know, even though those are fun trips, I like having the option of staying home and still having a chance to qualify for the mythic championship. Um, you know, but so anyway, my attachment to paper is very nostalgic, but it's not like if it went, if they said tomorrow, we're not printing cards anymore, I'd be bummed but I'd still be playing digitally and like that would mean that digital got like more support and I'd be pretty happy with that. Um, with the, the extra support to digital, that's a whole other rabbit hole that we don't need to go down right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, And frankly, I haven't even thought deeply. I haven't thought about this at all because I just don't think paper magic is going anywhere. So it's not I don't even something at all. But there's a lot considered. of people who feel like some of these steps are baby steps towards the big step. You know, right. These are these are acclimating us to the eventual demise of paper magic, which some people do think that. But some people do think the sky is falling every single time that little wizard's logo comes up on daily MTG, you know, so (laughs) (laughs) um, and it's not the sky is not falling. Everything's fine. So we are told and must believe. Well, see, um, this is the thing. Like, this, this is what they're doing in London. They're going to let the sky fall a little bit, but if they have to put it back up, they'll put it back up. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, the sky falling, just because I – why not? Um, one of the things they they did res- make a response, like an official announcement about the coverage changes. And we, we briefly discussed this last episode. Um, and uh, the – as many people know, Wizards has kind of dropped coverage for Grand Prix. Um, in a video released that we're going to link um, and we're going to talk about in a minute, they mentioned that they're going to work with Channel Fireball to cover select Grand Prix. Um, and of course, they'll have all the Mythic Championships covered. But otherwise, uh, there are more ways to watch now than ever. And you can just load up Twitch and watch random people stream if you want to watch magic coverage i mean that's essentially what they're saying i i i feel like a little bit irritated <laughs> at yeah, the way that all, they did know, that this kind of the lo- coverage of premium grand prix that's mean- such a dumb joke i'm sorry select <laughs> premium oh, uh, yeah, anyway star, star sorry. city joke <laughs> sorry yes. no but the so- premium grand prix are behind a paywall um, so that, that that's the thing is, I feel like, fine, if you want to say, if you want to watch Magic, you can just load up Twitch. You're right. Fine. I can go, I can do that. Go do that. And the NFL can say, oh, if you want to watch football, just go load up Twitch and watch people play Madden. I mean, sure. We're just going to cover select regular season games and then the playoffs, you know, like, w- are you s- serious? Like, I don't want to watch. 
I mean, I love a lot of different streamers. There are a lot of players streaming. Right. There are a lot of people that stream that I have no idea who they are, but if they're the only one streaming at the time that I've, I find, you know, and it looks interesting, I'll watch it. But that's not the same thing. It's not yeah, the same thing as tuning into a streamer once in a while, because otherwise, how would I get viewers? <laughs> like, um, uh, like there's, that's not the same thing as knowing that, oh, wow, this weekend is this, you know, Grand Prix event. It's modern or it's standard, whatever it is. I'm interested. I want to watch it. I want to tune into coverage, you know, Saturday morning and then maybe later Saturday afternoon if I get a chance. And then Sunday morning, you know, like when I have an opportunity, I can jump in and watch what's happening at the Grand Prix, like kind of following along in the story. Or I can watch one random person play Twitch and they say, hold on, I want to go to the bathroom. And oh, hold on a second. I'm, you know, getting a drink. And, you know, like this is not the same thing. I don't know why it's not. So, them it's not. using no, it's that not. as the same. Now, what? I like I like your your point. I like your argument, but you know, a video game of football and the sport of football are two entirely different things. Where magic in paper and online are essentially the exact same game, just played in different venues. I'm not siding with them. Okay, let me be very sure, sure, clear. Sure. About and it's that not a perfect comparison. I, I disagree with them. They should cover every Grand Prix because we should have coverage of every Grand Prix. Why have a Grand Prix if there's no coverage? I just don't understand it. Why have like a tournament series? There are stakes. Someone's making, you know, some people are making the pro tour, you know, and it's still happening even through, um, you know, the changes to the to the event structure. There's still going to be people making the pro tour. It's essentially a big qualifier event for your mythic championship and there should be coverage of that not the small ones not the store size ones not store level you know Mm -hmm. but this is a city level thing there should be coverage i don't know we should have video coverage of that right well that's that's the thing is like you can't tell us this is a big awesome event a grand event or you know magic fest whatever kind of grandiose term you want to use for it and then be like but it's not deserving of coverage you yeah, know, I know. Like, it's, it's like what this, is just it a, it's just a regular pre and before yeah. <laughs> you get to thinking about it joey we already named an episode just a regular pre okay good good call good call <laughs> i'm gonna just try to work as many past show titles into the rest of this episode as i possibly could sounds good yeah. um no so that that's all that's that i just felt like i feel frustrated with that i feel I like your cat you hear my cat? Yeah, my, my daughter is making some sounds uh, downstairs, but um, it's frustrating. Uh, and the thing is, like, we complain a lot. I know. I'm, okay, I complain a lot, but I feel like it's because of how much I love this game and how much of my life I've loved this game, and I want right. to see it succeed. I want it, I want it to um, be available, you know. Um, it's... It's frustrating, so I do. I complain. I say like, "Wow, okay, I'm I'm rolling my eyes at you, wizards, because you right. you do this or you don't do this." And and I don't want to come off as like this ingrate, you know, like. But <laughs> I'm just I want to watch your game. How? Why are you doing this? Like, why are you well, taking it away? Here's the thing: I don't watch much coverage, mm-hmm. right? And I want this. I want this. For you and for everyone else who does love coverage, who who watches coverage as a way to stay connected to the Pro Tour and not even the Pro Tour, but one level be- – because to me, a Grand Prix is exactly one level below the Pro Tour. Right. You know? And it's like 
you know, okay, you could make an argument. Okay, they don't show like um, what's it called? Uh, I can't remember the the league, uh, champ, the championship. I think is the second tier of like Premier League football, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then they don't show um, like minor league baseball on TV all that often. But this isn't TV we're talking about. This is you know this is Twitch. This is online coverage. But it's an important thing to us because again. This aspiration of making the Pro Tour is very real for a lot of people, myself included. And to see someone achieve that dream, especially someone who might not be qualified previously, shows us as players that we could do it too. Yeah. Encourages us to show up at a Grand Prix because there's a chance that you could be the one in that final on the coverage. You could be the one getting interviewed, holding up that trophy. You know, like that is a big connection for a lot of people. That's the reason why a lot of people even bother is because of that aspiration and Mm -hmm. showing that aspiration become real for a player who maybe, you know, has never played on the pro tour before is huge to keeping someone involved and keeping someone interested in that chase. And that was my biggest complaint all the way back to episode one was that this whole challenger distinction made it feel like you are an outsider. You are not coming in unless you jump through this series of complicated hoops. And by the way, the most surefire way of getting there, we're not showing you anymore. You know, like where you win a, win a Grand Prix, top 16, a Grand Prix, you make the pro tour. We're not going to show you that anymore on, on coverage. You don't get to see that. It's more of a, it makes it, feel less attainable right you know and 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 that's bad like that's bad for magic the pro tour needs to feel like something we can get to and if the 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 sooner it stops feeling like that the sooner we're gonna stop trying to get it yeah you know good point and so so yeah so so like for that sake i want to see coverage continue even if i'm not watching it you know, I don't need that nudge, but someone might. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, we, we can move on just because I know we've spent a lot of time on it. Um, we have a couple more things we want to talk about, and we're down to just probably another couple of minutes. Um, so do you just want to briefly mention this next uh, how to become the next magic champion thing? <laughs> Could you mention this briefly? Yeah. Do we have to do a second episode for this? Because um, <laughs> speaking of hoops, um, I love the fact that they, first of all, in this announcement, addressed it. Paragraph two, challengers. That's what we're calling players dedicated to competing at the highest levels, but not in the Magic Pro League. Um, so that's, that's what we are. We are challengers, and we are going to challenge these folks. Um, the they're doing some stuff. Oh my God. Hold on. Let me get my thoughts together. Cause like I said, I'm sure. just a little scrambled on this. So my understanding is there are seven pro tours, not now, you know, now known as mythic championships. Yes. Um, four are in paper and three are online. Is that right? Or is it the reverse? That's correct. Okay. Four paper, three arena. Okay. Um, the four paper ones have a $500,000 prize pool and the three, uh, arena ones have a $750,000 prize pool. Okay. Interesting that they would include that money or have so much extra money for the arena, uh, championships, but I don't know. Um, so the finally told us how we're going to get there and it's 
kind of the same way we used to. Um, there are going to be Mythic Championship qualifiers in paper, um, and they are going to be basically like our old PTQ system. You know, like winner gets in is right. pretty much what it is. And so that's cool. There's they, they took one hoop away, which is very cool. I like that a lot. There's not going to be – or as far as I can tell here, there isn't going to be a way for arena players to qualify – for a tabletop mythic championship am i am i am i mistaken in that like i'm looking at this and it really does look like there is there is a path from arena to the world championships okay but from what i'm gathering here but i might be wrong i don't know it's 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 a little convoluted well, yeah, it's a lot of information in one article, and it's hard to kind of dissect it all and break it down. So, but... like, you can qualify for the arena championship from placing well in the mythic championship. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Prior performance invites, right? But does that translate the other way? You see what I'm saying? Does a top four finish or something in the arena mythic championship qualify you for a re- mythic championship four? Right. In tabletop, I, I, I'm not clear. I would like to know that. Um, I would, and I would like to see that if it isn't. You know, right. yeah. I would like to see them go both ways in terms of you know one qualifies for the other and vice versa. Um, but we do now have a more clear uh, idea of how the arena mythic championships are going to be uh, filled. Uh, it's going to start with the top 1,000 mythic rank challengers. Um, and then they are going to play in the Mythic Championship Qualifier Weekend on Arena. The top 16 players on day two of that championship weekend uh, will qualify for the um, for the MTG Arena Mythic Championships, along with the entire Magic Pro League. So that's 32 players plus the 16. And then it looks like there's going to be prior performance invites. So that looks like it's going to be limited. Was it 32 players in the pro league, right? I believe so. Yeah. So it's 32 plus the 16, which leaves another four slots. Does that sound right? Yes. Um, So another four slots. For prior performance. So basically they're looking at previous championship uh, winners. So like Autumn would get a slot. Now it does say here that um, the top four placing non- Pro League players in each MTG Arena Mythic Championship will be invited to the next Arena Mythic Championship. Right? Doesn't say will be invited to the paper one, which is interesting. Oh, okay. Um, but it does say um, that for the first such event, Mythic Championship three, those four slots, those are the four slots we're talking about, will go to the three winners of Pro Tour 25th Anniversary: Alan Wu, Ben Hull, Gregory Orange. And Andrew Ellenbogen, the winner of Pro Tour Guilds of Ravnica. So those are the the four. But it, but it looks like – so after that, in Mythic Championship 3, the top four players who aren't Pro League Get, okay. go over to the next one automatically. OK. Um, so so that, essentially what we want to – what we really want to look at because I don't think there are a lot of Magic Pro League uh, – players listening to our podcast or if they are they're skipping this part because we they are the premier <laughs> source for magic strategy for the magic pro league <laughs> well i know that but they could skip this part because one they're already qualified only um essentially for 
us regular Joes uh, to qualify. No doubt. <laughs> um, you want to, you know, if you're going to qualify via arena, you need to be in the top 1,000 mythic rank. Uh, and that's right. that's constructed, constructed or limited. You can be either one. Is it really? I believe so, yeah. I oh, mean, it's... I think so, yeah. And it's like... How does that work? That qualifies... So that's... I don't know if they're just looking at the top 1,000 in either one, so that's 2,000 players, or if you're just the top 1,000, you know, top 500 of each. It might say it somewhere in this article. Um, I'm not going to worry about it right now, but you need to be mythic ranked and you need to be in the top 1,000. Um, and that qualifies you for a qualifier weekend. That weekend, you perform in the top 16, or you get to the top 16, that gets you to the mythic championship. So, um that's how you qualify via arena. But how how does it top one thousand constructed or limited? So that so is that two thousand players? That's that's a good question. <laughs> that's that's kind of what I'm saying. That's like, really confusing because it still just says one thousand players feed in. Huh. All right. Well, we have one more topic. I think if you want to get details on this, at least details as much as we we can sort of understand um we'll include a link in the show notes um lastly they did release a trailer like a teaser trailer for war of the spark which is the next set um hashtag mtg war um and the trailer showed a ton of uh planeswalkers kind of in stained glass on the outside of what looked like maybe a church in ravnica some sort of tower um they zoom in and there's a chandelier with a whole bunch of lit candles, and all of them get blown out but one, and the smoke forms the shape of Bolus's horns. So, um, there's, you know, it's a pretty cool trailer. Um, in terms of magic trailers, I, I really haven't seen a trailer that looked this cool before. Um, and I think it's, there's, there's some speculation about what this means. Of course, everybody's trying to trying to figure out what is this going to mean for the set. Um, it's called War of the Spark, so it obviously has a very heavy Planeswalker theme. Right. And um, I had this, before seeing this trailer, I wanted to talk a little bit about Planeswalker design and just kind of the fact that it's gotten very formulaic and stale in a lot of ways. You usually get a Planeswalker who has a plus one, it's some sort of card advantage ability. You like either draw a card or look at the top, you know, X cards and grab a card. Somehow you're getting a card off of their plus one ability or plus two. Um, minus one usually is some sort of protection, whether it's, you know, kill a creature or create a blocker, something like that. And then a minus X ultimate ability. Like that's the formula. And it's kind of gotten stale. I mean, we've had Planeswalkers now for almost 12 years. 2007, Lorwyn was the first set. So, um, you know, it's it's going on 12 years of Planeswalker design, and there have been some unique ones, of course, but it's sort of boiled down to this formula that's gotten a little bit boring. And I think Wizards uh, realizes this. They're trying to branch out. You have these Planeswalkers like Kaya and Domri in the latest set that are sort of showing that they can be a little more niche in their design. And, yeah. um, and maybe that only earns them an appearance in the sideboard of a deck um, and not really a build around me kind of card. And maybe that's what they want for planeswalkers. But I, I suspect that wizards wants to do something else with planeswalkers. And like my feeling is that wizards may either do away with 
uh, planeswalkers, or, or not necessarily entirely forever, but somehow in the storyline make it so that planeswalkers don't exist for a few years and make them a lot more special when they return. Because how exciting would it be in, in four years for them to say, hey, guess what? Planeswalkers are back, like somehow, and everybody would be going crazy for it. But first, you got to take that away. Um, I think I think that's something that I could see them doing. I'm not saying they will. I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Um, and another prediction I've seen is the possibility that this, ins- this set has every Planeswalker in it. So this whether that means, you know, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Like it could be a set that's full of 40 planeswalkers and still end planeswalkers there, like go out with a bang. Um, Yeah. Please don't, please don't let this set be standard legal if it's true. Well, see, that's the interesting (laughs) thing. Planeswalkers have always been mythic as long as mythic has been an option. Now, again, Lorwyn, they were rare, but there was no mythic rare in Lorwyn. Um, so does that mean we're going to get uncommon and common planeswalkers that, you know, I, I don't know, they could really stretch their legs with designing planeswalkers if they're going to do that. And maybe that's where they're going. But um, I'm just curious to see what they end up doing. And I'm really excited to see how A one drop planeswalker with one loyalty and then like two abilities that are both minus one. Yeah, I mean, it could be right. And it, it, maybe it just that just kind of is like, you know, maybe it's a red planeswalker and it's like minus one destroy target artifact or minus one do two damage to any target. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, oh, kind of cool, right? Like you got, I mean, maybe that costs two mana. I don't know. But I'm just thinking that you get this sort of effect that's like one of those seals that have, you know, the seal yeah, of primordium, yeah. seal of whatever. Um, kind of like a, a card that sits on board and allows you to use it when you need it. Um but can still be attacked, I guess, and still – I don't know. It's interesting. There, there's a lot of possibilities they could really go with. But I guess what, I, what I'm getting at is I think the set is going to be really, really exciting beyond, you know, oh, wow, we're in Ravnica. Guess what? Multicolor. Like that's exciting, but that's not exciting. Like this seems like it might be really big. I've, I've seen the bare minimum of like promotional art. Mm-hmm. and things for war of the spark but the name alone and the art that i've seen does give it like that kind of dominaria nostalgia feel yeah and, yeah um and yeah and it, and if it winds up being a benchmark moment for planeswalkers one way or another it could be really cool you know yeah um i'm excited that we are a podcast at a time when a set called war of the spark is coming out i'll Agreed. say that <laughs> yeah for sure you know and i'm like that's gonna be cool and that's going to be fun to talk about as those cards start getting spoiled and as we start getting information. Uh, we're here for it, and we are here for it too. Yeah. So, um, so it's pretty sweet. Yeah. So I guess let's, um, let's wrap it up. If you uh, want to hear our opinion on the Nexus banning in, uh, on Arena in Best of One, you'll have to check out our latest little uh, little thing on our feed yo which is kind of an idea that joe had and we we are going to try out they're going to be just very short episodes released whenever we feel the the desire to release them they're going to be separate from our normal episodes they're going to be called yo and the date and the, the topic so in this case it's like episode it's yo february 14th i think it was nexus it was. nexus band in in on arena and best of one so we talk about it for about 10 minutes and um, 
and that's it. So we're, we're going to try that out. And uh, if you haven't heard it already, check it out. Um, keep an eye out this week um, for this impending modern announcement, a new product that I, I think people are expecting. And I'm expecting big things. I guess I'm setting myself up for disappointment if it's something stupid, but uh, <laughs> maybe we'll have an episode of Yo! about that. So we'll see. Yeah, um, um, yeah it, it, I, I like it because we're doing this every other week. You know, we're not doing this weekly, so we can't really keep completely current right. with things that are going on. And there are some things that like it really sucks to wait two weeks to talk about. Exactly. Um, so like so having those helps bridge the gap and uh, and it gives us something, you know, for that gap. Yeah, which, for I, think sure. is, which I think is nice. Yep. Uh, and it was fun doing the first one. So we'll definitely do more of them because it was uh, I felt like it was a great use of our time and talents <laughs> yes it worked out really well so I, i'm happy with the first episode we're going to try to keep doing more like that so uh we have a new logo which uh i'm excited about it's um, beautiful joey you did a phenomenal job thank you um, it is freaking cool uh so check out i guess our album art if you're you know you'll see it on on our twitter and our facebook and things like that so uh follow us there if you want to keep in touch we're always open to hearing some feedback or conversation um but love, only positive feedback. Yeah. Any negative feedback and you get auto blocked. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, all right. So I, I already think, outlined. I already outlined the places where you get auto blocked with us uh, earlier true. in the episode. So uh, just don't be those things. Um, so anything else you wanted to add, Joe? Yeah, I want to interrupt you again before you try to sign off. Okay. No, so, I'm kidding. I'm not. <laughs> no, you did it. Oh, there, I just there did. was <laughs> very all right. good. All right. Until next time, we're Yo MTG Taps. Make them have it. We are.